TII item 201, November 30th, 2011, iOS 5.1 beta 1. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullah! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. Today's episode is brought to you by Hover. Please visit tii.hover.com. That's tii.hover.com to get 10% off your domain name registrations. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Manuel for sending in the music you hear in the background. Manuel wrote, Hey, Rob, I am new user to GarageBand on the iPhone. I am a music lover, but not a musician. I put this together on my iPhone. Regards, Manuel. Thanks again, Manuel. And folks, I will try to remember to put the full song at the end of the episode. I also want to thank Ben for sending in the artwork for today's episode. Ben wrote, Hi Rob, I created this artwork with Perfect Photo and Photo Wizard on my iPod Touch. I made the leaf photo with my Canon camera. Regards, Ben. Well, Ben, thanks again for sending in this artwork. Folks, you can see Ben's artwork in the TI app in the extra section for episode 201, or if you subscribe via iTunes as the album artwork and also as a standalone post in the VIP section, and I'll try to get it up on Google Plus and Facebook as well. If you have some artwork and or music you've created on your iOS device and would like to share it with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com and make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, given what I've seen of Honeycomb and Motorola's excellent tablet, Cupertino will have some serious catching up to do with the iPad 2. J.P. Mangalan Dan Fortune, 4th of February, 2011. Well, J.P., it might just be time for a visit to your local optometrist, because I have no idea what it was you were seeing. The Zoom and Honeycomb were not even on par with the iPad 1. Forget the iPad 2 for a sec. Just saying. For promo codes, I want to thank everyone in the past that sent in requests for Bibleicious, for Abacus Cadabra and for Freelance Classifieds. Those apps have been, or the promo codes for those apps have been given away. And for developers, this would be a point where I could actually talk about your app, or you actually, you could talk about your app if you had five promo codes you wanted to give me, which means this week we have no promo codes to give away. So if you are an app developer, email me if you want your app featured in the promo code giveaway segment at the beginning of the show. Never charge for you the dev. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com. And please also include a 60-second or less audio review of your app, indicating you are the dev up front. Again, devs, this is a great way to get some publicity and some exposure for your app. And it doesn't cost you anything other than five promo codes, which you get more promo codes each time you do a rev of your app, by the way. Hey, Rob. This is Rob in Annapolis calling... Uh just noticed I was trying to look at the, the newest episode, and I cannot get the TI app to load up on my iPhone. Try turning the iPhone on and off, and the, the app starts loading. I see the initial home screen, and then it goes, then it just turns itself off. Um, pretty sure I just uh, I updated to the latest version, and I'm not sure if anybody else is having these problems, but just wanted to bring it to your attention. All right, thanks. Bye. 
Rob, thanks for the voicemail. And I'm happy to say TII app version 1.12.1 is now available, which came out after you sent that voicemail in. And this time, I think we've got all pretty much almost all the bugs worked out. This version fixes the issues some people were seeing when trying to send an email from the app. Um, some people are having the email crash or it, the app lock up. Um, so we believe we've got that finally worked out. Other people were seeing problems with the loading when it was loading or wouldn't load or the problem you were seeing. So we think, again, we've got those issues worked out. Uh, about the only one we're seeing now, so for, I've heard from two different people, is a uh, issue with uh, where your location is. And I think it has to do with people that are in the UK. And it's the first time they launched the app. So if you're having that issue, let me know. Email me and I'll send you uh, how to fix that but it seems to be only the first time you load the app and it's only for people, it looks like, that are in the UK. Okay, but again, the major bug fix here is for those people that were having issues when they tried to email from the app. So if you were having this issue, please update to 1.2.1 and it should now be working. Um, And if if it did solve your problem, email me from the app and saying that it's working. And if it's not working for you, I guess you'll have to email me not from the app. But again, it should be working now for all... And for others, uh, we fixed the issue of the target area for changing the playback speed, which on the last two versions, you needed fingers that were really, really small to change the speed without pausing the app. And those uh, with normal or even abnormally large fingers should be able to easily change the speed without pausing the app. The update, of course, is free to those that previously purchased the TII app. And for those that have not, it is just $2.99. In addition to the bug fixes, the TI app also has push notifications to let you know when a new episode goes up and also whenever there's some breaking news. The app now supports blog posts. I will also put the album artwork for each episode in the app as an extra. Under contact, you can easily call in to the show. Uh, there is access to every episode of TI, uh, all available for streaming at any time, or you can download an episode or into the app for offline playing, uh, say when you're in airplane mode and on an airplane. If you like this show, the TI app is definitely the best way to consume it. And the purchase also helps support the show. So again, just search for TII in the iTunes app store. Hey Rob, this is John from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Just wanted to call in about a feature that I just stumbled across and someone asked in a previous show about getting uh, shortcuts to their screen. So came across this site, it's brdrck.me settings and beautiful uh, shortcuts that are very simple and easy to design um, and definitely on the non-jailbreak side. So. Uh, worked great for me and installed quite a few of them. But this uh, Jeff Broderick, I guess, is the designer, and he is offering it up. And it is free, um, asking for a donation. But um, anyway, I've, I've enjoyed them, and they work really well. Thanks for the show, Rob, and appreciate what you're doing. Thanks. John, thanks for the heads up on that. And, folks, that was brdrck.me forward slash settings. So from your iOS device running iOS 5 or 5.0.1, go to brdrck.me forward slash settings. Then tap on the shortcut you want. Then tap install 
XYZ shortcut, uh, and then tap install when it goes to the next screen when it offers a profile to install. This is the easiest way I've seen to get this short, shortcuts going for your iOS device. So again, brdrck.me forward slash settings. John, thanks for the heads up on that. Reaching into the email bag. Hi, Rob. There's a side of the Kindle Fire versus iPad argument that nobody is talking about. I have noticed a number of Black Friday ads and other sales I have received via email lately that are listing Android tablets in the $200 to $250 range. Even the BlackBerry Playbook is on sale at Office Depot on Black Friday for $200. So even if the Kindle Fire doesn't sell as well as everybody thinks it will, the effect it is having on the price of other Android tablets is more likely to have an effect on iPad sales. I have always thought that companies are not going to compete with Apple by producing a device that has better specs, but the same price, they have to undercut Apple if they're going to sell tablets. That is why telephone companies sell more Android phones than Apple sells iPhones. They are cheap, and you can get them almost anywhere from the carrier of your choice. One other impact of the Kindle Fire that I see coming is the effect it will have on the Android marketplace. Unless I'm wrong, any Android phone can access the Amazon market, but the Kindle Fire cannot access the Google market. So if I was a dev, I would submit my apps to the Amazon market instead of Google if I had to choose between the two because there are more devices available. Regards, Myron. Thanks, Myron. Forbes is reporting that Apple broke its Black Friday sales record, including 68% surge in sales of the iPad versus 2010, which I read about a few analysts all excited by these numbers. Now to put these numbers in perspective, in Q3 of 2011, there were 11.12 million iPads sold versus just 4.19 million in Q3 of 2010. That is an increase of 165% year over year. This versus just a 68% increase on Black Friday year over year. Last year in Q4, Apple sold 7.33 million iPads. A 68% increase would be just 12.3 million iPads sold this quarter. This is well below the 20 million number thrown out in the past and the 13 to 15 million number many analysts are throwing around. I'm not saying the Black Friday numbers were bad. I just don't see how they are as good as some analysts are making them out to be. Again, last year there was an increase of 3.1 million iPads from Q3 to Q4. This year we hear of predictions around 13.5 million iPads. That's an increase of just 2.4 million iPads versus last quarter. That has to be seen as a disappointment, and as I said, if sales of the iPad come in below 15 million this quarter, I would expect to see a drop in Apple stock price. As always, we will know more come Apple's next quarterly call, which is in January. And Forbes is reporting that Corning stated that Gorilla Glass demand would be down 25% this quarter versus last quarter. This versus their previous guidance that demand would be down just 15%. Of course, two of the biggest selling devices with Gorilla Glass are the iPhone and the iPad. And some are connecting the dots and saying this means iPad sales are below forecast. But some does not mean all. Take UBS analyst Maynard Um. He told clients on November 30th that the weak demand for Gorilla Glass was due to the shortfalls in iPad competitors' products that also use Gorilla Glass, but have not been selling. Um, 
said he was confident the iPad would still sell the 12 million units he forecasted originally. Wow, talk about a low forecast. That is not even 1 million more than the iPad sold last quarter. You know, the non-Christmas buying quarter. Please note that Apple counted for about or accounted for about 80% of Gorilla Glass sales in 2010. And Corning is not reporting a 25% lower than forecasted number, which would make sense if it was just about the iPad competitors. They are talking about 25% less of what was shipped last quarter, this quarter. However, I think the explanation on the drop in Gorilla Glass shipments has more to do with last quarter, Corning would have been shipping glass for iPads sold this quarter, and shipments this quarter are for sales for next quarter. To see a 25% drop in iPad sales in the quarter after Christmas is not surprising at all. Actually, in Q1 2011, iPad sales were 36% lower than Q4 2012. So I guess this was a long way to go to say maybe Corning just originally was too optimistic when they thought the reduction in Gorilla Glass would only be 15% instead of the 25% they are seeing quarter over quarter. Sorry, you cannot have that two minutes of your life back. When it comes to predictions, uh, some are predicting even bigger sales in 2012 for iOS devices, assuming the world is still here at the end of 2012. By that time, one market researcher analyst, Horace Didu, of a Simcoe predicts, guesses, models, something, that Apple will sell a whopping 280 million iOS devices in 2012. This compared to the 147 million iOS devices sold in the last four full quarters for Apple. Of course, in the same document, he also predicted other scenarios where there would be 260 million iOS devices sold or 225 million iOS devices sold. So really, he is predicting a range of between 225 million and 280 million iOS devices sold next year. But it is the 280 million number most people gravitate to. Guess we will need to revisit these numbers in January of 2013, assuming the world is still around. Remember all those rumors about iOS 5.0.2 coming out a week or two ago that was supposed to come out, according to one German uh, rumor site? Yeah, that did not happen. And doesn't look like it will happen. Apple just seeded iOS 5.1 beta to devs. And as always, the devs are being very tight-lipped about this and adhering to their NDA. Take this email as an example. Hi Rob, thought you would like to know that the 2x play pause resume issue is fixed in 5.1 beta 1. Regards, name redacted developer whose email was deleted as well. Other things being reported about 5.1 Beta 1 is that there is code in there for additional iOS devices, as in new iPhones, iPads, and a new Apple TV. Of course, no specs of said devices could be gleaned, nor could any info on when said devices are coming could be figured out. But hey, that did not stop some sites from saying, big news, the beta confirms that there will be future versions of current iOS devices, as opposed to to, I guess, Apple saying, that is it, we're done, no more new devices from us ever. Yeah, not seeing the big news in there either. What I think most of us want to know is, did Apple squash most of the current bugs in iOS 5, specifically the battery bug? I'm kind of surprised Apple released a .x release for bug fixes, which is what it appears to be. That is going from 5 
to 5.1 versus going to 5.0.2. The release notes for 5.1 are not very informative per what was added or changed or fixed, or so I'm told. Hi, Rob. This is Sterling. I'm responding to the comment you made in your show number 200 regarding adding on Apple Care after purchasing the Apple 4S. I was able to add on the Apple Care just by calling the 800 number, and I wasn't required to take my phone in to have them check it out um, in order to add the plan. So that made it easier, and I decided I would share that with you. And I like your show. Thank you. Bye. Sterling, thanks for the feedback and thanks for listening to the show. Interesting to hear that Apple was willing to add the Apple Care Plus after the fact uh, without having you bring it in because on Apple's website, they specifically said that you had to bring it in. But I guess maybe if there's not an Apple store near where you live, they're being a little flexible there. So folks, if you're not near an Apple store, you may want to try calling them up and telling them, hey, I'm not near an Apple store. Can you cover this thing and see what they say? Reaching into the email bag. Hey Rob, anyone else had an issue with Bluetooth not working on their 4S after updating to iOS 5.0.1? On 5.0, I'd used Bluetooth successfully. Anyone else found Bluetooth not working now on their phone since they've updated to 5.0.1? Regards, Roger. Hi Roger, I've not seen or heard or had anyone call in about any feedback about issues they've seen with Bluetooth since they've upgraded to iOS 5.0.1 versus 5.0 on a 4S. But if anyone has seen issues with Bluetooth and 5.0.1, please let us know. Give us a call, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or email us at todayinios at gmail.com. Hey, Rob, this is Scott from St. Louis. I'm calling in response to uh, the uh, caller that was having some issues with... uh, transferring purchases when he's uh, syncing up with iTunes. I I haven't had the same issue, but each time that I've uh, got the message that I have uh, purchases that I need to transfer, um, all I do is on the left uh, navigation screen where my device is listed, I right-click on that, and there's an option to transfer purchases. Um, And then I do see it working to move the uh, items over. Each time I've done that and maybe synced right after or maybe later in the day, uh, my that, that message doesn't pop up again until maybe, you know, a few days later if I happen to download a uh, new app or something. So I uh, thought I'd uh, throw that out there to, to the audience or that guy that's, uh, that had the uh, issues with uh, transferring those purchases. So uh, thanks for everything. Talk to you later. Bye. Scott, thanks for the voicemail message. And thanks to everyone else that sent in a similar message, either via voicemail or email. Had quite a few people respond with that. And it's something I probably should have known. Back to the email bag. Hi Rob, recently I reported that my unlimited 3G was throttled by AT&T. My speed was promptly restored early on the 17th when my new billing period started. On the 20th, at 5.51 PST, I received another text warning, like last month. My usage at that time, according to AT&T, was 1,833 megabytes. This morning, or the next morning, November 21st, I received two more texts. The first was an anonymous text at 703 stating, as requested, your service has been changed. The change is now effective. And then at 715, I received the same text from AT&T I got on the 10th, stating that my speeds may be reduced. At that time, my usage read about 2,300 megabytes. 
I tested my speed and found downloads were again around 120 kilobytes per second. So just four days into my billing cycle, after about two gig, I am already throttled for the rest of the month. It seems like AT&T is really trying to force me onto a tiered usage plan. At this point, the only advantage to Unlimited is that they're not charging me extra for going slightly over two gig, as they would on the $25 a month plan. And since I'm driving for a living, that's easy to do. I guess I need to get into the habit of downloading all my podcasts before I leave the house. Regards, John in San Fran. Next email. Hi, Rob. Spoke with AT&T representative yesterday. He told me all it took to get to the top 5% was to be over 2 gigs in a month. By this calculation, I figured that everyone with an unlimited plan will get reduced speed and therefore will probably have to transfer out of the unlimited plan and into the regular plan, which is... You guessed it, 2 gig for $25. Sneaky or unethical? Question mark. Regards, Jeff. Jeff, per sneaky or unethical? If accurate, yes, both. If the 2 gig mark is where AT&T is drawing the line in the sand for unlimited, that really is bogus. BS. It just plain sucks. Oh, and I'm sure if this was not a G-rated show, I could come up with a few other things to say. There has been speculation before that the number was around 6 or 7 gig per month. Now, based on these emails and a few others I've received, that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Now, that all said, I have some AT&T people that listen to the show, and if any of them would like to comment on what it takes to get to the 95% mark per when AT&T reduces download speeds, I would love to know. Because 2 gig... That just seems bogus. BS. Well, it just sucks. Back into the email bag. Hi, Rob. What is the difference between the .me, the .com, and .org, and all those different types of .whatevers? How do I know what would be best for me? I would greatly appreciate if you could enlighten me on which would be best. Me and my wife are thinking of getting one each for a small business and one each for personal also, it looks like it costs extra for mail. Do any email addresses come with a domain at all, or can you reroute, say, a Gmail through the domain? I've never dealt with this stuff before. Regards, Levi in Riverside, California. Hi, Levi. Thanks for the questions. .me is more for personal use, like mulch.me. But for business use, you would want a .com, if you can find it. So, for example, all of the app devs out there, you need to have must have a website for your app, and you will want a .com for your app. Per hover and getting mail accounts set up, yes, those are extra. For one mailbox added to your account, it is $20 more, and for six mailboxes, it is $45 more. And per Gmail, yes, you can use your email domain with your Gmail account. There's a nice tutorial up on hover site that shows you how to do this, so you can use your Gmail account but get your email showing up as coming from you at yourdomain.com rather than you1234 at gmail.com or some other name at gmail.com that doesn't look all that professional. I guess at this point, I should say thanks to Hover for sponsoring the show. If you go to tii.hover.com, that is tii.hover.com, you can get 10% off your domain name registrations. Please note the .me domains are still half off at $10 till the end of 2011. 
I got my Walsh.me domain from Hover. Have you gotten your last name.me yet? And as I said before, if your name was taken, or even if it wasn't, for the .com, now is a great time to lock in your .me domain. If not for you, do it for your kids or your future kids or your grandkids. Heck, register the domain now and give it to them for Christmas. Hey, maybe even register a domain for your significant other for Christmas. And once again, the 10% discount for TI listeners works for the .me domain, so it's really just $9 when it's all said and done. And with Hover, they make it so easy to register a domain, and they don't try to upsell you or oversell you or slip something in when you weren't looking. Just an honest, straight-up business. I really like and respect what Hover is doing and how they have treated me as a customer. Again, to save 10% on your registrations, go to tii.hover.com. That's tii.hover.com. Isn't it time you liked registering domains again? Thanks, Hover, for supporting this show. Hey, Rob, this is Mike from the San Bernardino Mountains. Uh, I'm just calling in to let you know of a feature that I found uh, in the uh, new iPhone 4S that I haven't heard anybody discuss. If you uh, hold the phone up to your ear when you have the keyboard displayed on the screen, it will automatically take the dictation from uh, when you speak and convert that into text rather than just having to hit the little microphone button on the keypad. Again, so if I, when the keyboard is on the, on the screen on any app, uh, Facebook or even Notes or anything, uh, any third-party app will work too, uh, just raise the phone to your ear when you have the keyboard displayed on the screen. You'll hear a little tone. Then go ahead and speak, and that will convert it into text. It's a real quick way to do dictation. You don't have to hunt and peck for that little uh, microphone button on the keyboard. Okay, Rob, I love what you do there. It's uh, Keep it up, and um, you know, have a great day. Mike, thanks for calling in that tip. Folks, if you have a tip or a trick that you've discovered on your iOS device, Please give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Okay, this next story was very widely reported. It's still being widely reported. And it is per an iPhone that got really hot and started smoking, which is bad enough. But in this case, said iPhone was on a passenger airliner. Luckily, this happened right when the plane landed and no one was injured. But still, this is not good. And it's also not unheard of in the history of iDevices. Every so often, a lithium-ion battery just goes bonkers and ignites. Recently, this happened to a Chevy Volt. This typically happens after the lithium-ion battery has suffered some sort of trauma and was the case with the Chevy Volt. I think it was like two weeks after it was crash-tested, the thing just burst into flames when it was sitting in the testing yard. I am sure the Australian government is uh, looking at this very carefully. They confiscated the device, and when they're done looking at it, uh, Apple will probably also be taking a close look at it. The question comes now is if there will be more reports like this and if any of those will be staged or faked, as happened back a few years ago in France, where someone claimed the iPhone just exploded, but really was found out to be fake later on. That was after a real incident like this one. Sadly, again, expect more of these stories in the future. And of course, by future, I mean now. Seems in Brazil there was another sparking smoking iPhone. 
where the person was laying in bed and his iPhone started sparking and emitting black smoke. This was an iPhone 4, as near as I can tell from the translation. Maybe it is that both people were south of the equator. Again, sadly, expect more of these in the future. That is stories about this happening. There is also word of a battery pack recall, the Mophie Juice Pack Air Rechargeable External Battery, which is designed to snap onto the back of an iPod Touch 4G music player. At issue is, you guessed it, a chance for it to overheat and burn the user. And Best Buy recalled the Rocketfish model RF KL12 battery case for the iPhone 3G and 3GS because they might, you know, catch on fire and stuff. Definitely not a good week for lithium-ion batteries. Back into the email bag. Hi Rob, I noticed something on my iPhone 4S that I wanted to share. When I create a reminder using the new iOS reminder app, if I create a location-based reminder such as pick up eggs and ask Siri to remind me when I get home, the reminder uses location services to accomplish this task. When the reminder pops up, I may quickly close the app because I was doing something else. This is when I notice that the location service arrow on the top of the iOS screen stays on constantly until I actually check off the task as completed. If you fail to mark a location-based reminder complete for a long time, the location service is constantly on. At least that is what I am seeing happen based on the purple arrow on the top of the screen. Maybe this has something to do with the battery issues people are noticing. Not everyone uses location-based reminders, but for those who do, they may be draining their batteries until they mark the task completed. Regards, Damien C. Thanks, Damien, for the tip and observation. Folks, if you are noticing that the purple triangle is staying on all the time, it could be because of a reminder you set up with a target location to trigger it. So again, if you're seeing that purple arrow on there all the time and you don't expect to see it, you may want to check your reminders and see if there's some old reminders you may have set up when you were testing out Siri to see if you actually could say, remind me when I get home and set that up for when I get home. Hey Rob. I have set iTunes Match on my computer and iPad and iPod Touch. Something I have found after enabling Match on my iOS devices is that it does not allow you to create or use Genius Playlists. Do you know of a way to fix this? Regards, Colin from California. And that one I am definitely going to send out to the listeners. If anyone has any recommendations for Colin, please let us know, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Hey, Rob. This is Cedric from Durham, North Carolina, calling. Longtime listener and fan of your show. I was calling just to express on the iTunes match a problem that I'm running into. Um, I, back, I remember back when Steve Jobs first presented this, I was very excited about the possibility because my iPod no longer holds my whole collection. I had one of the iPod classics, but I was looking at iTunes Match this morning and I got a message that your library contains too many songs. It says to participate in iTunes Match, your library must contain no more than 25,000 songs that were not purchased from the iTunes store. 
Now, I know my collection is made up of many CDs, so I'm sure the majority of my CDs and music is in the iTunes store, but it looks like because I didn't purchase it from the iTunes store, I can't participate in the iTunes match program for $24.99 a year. And what's interesting is it doesn't give you any option. You can't select the 25,000 songs that you would like to include or anything. It's um, a dry deal where you can't have it at all if you exceed that amount. Um, I was interested in knowing if anybody else has experienced this and hopefully Apple will have some kind of workaround because I would love to be able to listen to more music than would fit on my iPod Classic or iPod, um, my iPhone when I only have that with me. Take care. Cedric, thanks for the voicemail message and I'm sure you don't want to be pulling off music off your computer to get down under 25,000 songs and I'm sure you're not the only one out there with over 25,000 songs. So if anyone knows a workaround for Cedric where he can still use iTunes Match and keep over 25,000 songs on his computer, but maybe just match up to you know the limit of 25,000, please let us know how he can possibly do that. Give us a call or send us an email, todayinios at gmail.com. Hey Rob, it's Dave in San Jose. Uh, I was a beta tester for iTunes Match, used it a little bit then, and really liked the concept. Was really looking forward to the final release. And um, so I used it for a few days when it was finally released, and unfortunately I have now turned it off. Um, what they delivered just does not cut the mustard, doesn't live up to what we expected. And my main problem with it is uh, playlists. It just does not implement playlists correctly. A couple of weeks ago, you had a listener who wrote in complaining about how iOS 5 does not maintain sort order on smart playlists correctly. And there is a way around that. You do a standard playlist, you order the, the podcasts or whatever it is you're listening to in the order you want to listen to it in, and then you sync the standard playlist. And it does keep the sort order in that case in iOS 5. Well, iTunes Match wrecks all that. So it syncs the smart playlist with the podcast in it. Uh, and of course, they're unsorted just like they are in iOS 5. Uh, but then if you have the standard playlist with podcasts in it, it does not sync that at all. So there's not even a workaround for iTunes Match. Um, and I've, I, I tried finding fixes for it in support.apple.com, and there are lots of messages up there about why aren't playlists working. So, I mean, something so basic and fundamental to iTunes. I mean, this was like one of the original first features of iTunes was a playlist, right? And they can't get that right in iTunes Match? Uh, it's very disappointing. I mean, Apple's got a reputation for attention to detail and the user experience. And this is just bad. They really need to fix this fast. Otherwise, people like me who have been years, years Apple fans are just going to, you know, drop this feature because uh, it's just not worth giving up my playlist. I like listening to my music in the order I like listening to it or my or my podcasts. Whatever it is I'm listening to, I like having control over it. And iTunes Match just takes too much of that away. So I won't be using iTunes Match until they do some serious fixing on it. And uh, that's my two cents, Rob. Thanks. And again, I hope you had a great holiday. Take care. Bye. Dave, thanks for your feedback on iTunes Match. And folks, if you have some thoughts of your own on iTunes Match, please give us a call, 206-666-6364, 206-MOON-DOG. Into the news we go. Microsoft's Chief Strategy and Research Officer, Craig Mundy, recently said the following with regards to Siri. Quote, People are infatuated with Apple announcing it. It's good marketing, but at least as technological capability... 
you could argue that Microsoft has had a similar capability in Windows Phone for more than a year, since Windows Phone 7 was introduced, unquote. And I want to say thanks to all that sent in the link to the YouTube video comparing Siri to Microsoft Tell Me that Craig Mundy said was, quote, similar technology, unquote. Of course, Microsoft's definition of similar technology is probably a bit different than Apple's. And the video on YouTube shows that pretty clearly when the person asks both Siri and Tell Me at the same time to do simple tasks. Siri, in this case, does them all perfectly. And, well, to put Tell Me in perspective, when the person asked for a meeting at 10 a.m., Tell Me gave him search results for teen... Um, well, this is a G-rated show, so let's just say the second word after teen rhymed with banal. Yeah, not exactly similar in my book. Actually, watching them side by side really puts into perspective how much further along Siri is compared to the comp. But that said, it is still just beta. Which brings us to this next story. MoveOn.org is sending out a petition about Siri, and that Siri supposedly has an anti-abortion stance. Somehow I doubt highly that there is some political agenda in the Siri software. Apple is as liberal a company as there is in the Fortune 500. My guess is this has more to do with Siri being beta than anything else. FYI, I told Siri I want to get a vasectomy, and it could not help me or find anything for me, although it clearly got the question right and spelled vasectomy correct. So it understood the question, but it could not help. So either this is a grand plan by the computers to build up the human population so that they have more slaves when they take over, or it is, as I suspect, that Siri is just beta and MoveOn.org is just trying to ride the iPhone coattails. One last side note on this whole thing. While Siri could not help when I asked about getting an abortion or a vasectomy, it had no problems whatsoever when I said I want to get rhinoplasty. It quickly found eight plastic surgeons in my area. And then suddenly, the thought of computers wanting more human slaves became just a little bit more plausible. Just saying. Thanks to MR for the heads up on this next one, which is, well, now being reported everywhere. And that is that Microsoft is planning to bring Office to the iPad in 2012. Because, you know, numbers, pages, and Keynote are so bad. Okay, definitely not. But it will... Definitely be interesting to see how the Office suite on the iPad compares to the aforementioned Apple apps. My guess is that having the Office suite available will be more welcomed by IT managers that don't realize that Apple's competitive apps are pretty darn good. And for the most part, that's a lot more than I like to say about unannounced and unavailable apps. Hey Rob, uh, Dave here. Just listening to your 200th episode. During a point in the show where you asked about uh, or stated that you were not able to automatically Wi-Fi sync when your iPhone was plugged in. I had the same question a couple weeks ago and went into the Apple Store, and after going back and forth as to exactly what was happening and what the understanding was, the tech finally explained to me that uh, because I was syncing most of my data through iCloud, it overrides or overrules, I guess, the Wi-Fi sync. So you actually have to choose whether or not you want to 
sync over Wi-Fi automatically, thereby turning off the cloud, or if you choose iCloud, you will not automatically Wi-Fi sync. So it seems to be one or the other. And uh, I actually tested this, uh, where I turned off all my iCloud services, and the once I plugged it in, bam, worked just fine. So that seems to be the issue. If you have some questions, let me know. But uh, hope this helps. Love your show. Congratulations on 200 episodes. Dave, thanks for the feedback. When I look at my iCloud settings on my iPhone, what I find is I have calendars, reminders, bookmarks for Safari, and find my iPhone turned on. Uh, also have documents and data turned on. Everything else I have turned off. So we'll see if that's it. I also have this feedback that came in via email. Hi Rob, with your auto-sync problem in iTunes, have you checked the option to automatically sync iPhone when connected? I turned this off and it wasn't syncing over Wi-Fi. Once I enabled it, it worked as advertised. Regards, John DF. Hi John, thanks for the feedback. I went and checked under the preferences in iTunes and then to the devices. And sure enough, I had prevent iPods, iPhones, and iPads from syncing automatically selected. So I deselected it. When I deselected it, it selected the option to, quote, open iTunes when the iOS device is connected, unquote. So I deselected that. As when I have Wi-Fi sync on, it means uh, when it is on the same Wi-Fi network, it will open iTunes, and sometimes I need iTunes to be shut down, like when I'm recording. I will see if this now shows signs of syncing automatically. Back into the email bag. Hi, Rob. Per episode 200, the question about iCloud draining battery. I have iCloud on all the time and have noticed no battery drain. However, as I have, you can actually go to settings, iCloud, documents and data, and turn off use mobile. This will make sure that iCloud will only sync app data when on Wi-Fi. So when you are out and about, you won't have to worry about it trying to sync to iCloud and draining extra battery life. About the YouTube to MP3, you can do that uh, same thing without a jailbreak. Just download any of the free download apps. The best one I found is called Downloads by Hein Zin, H-I-A-N-Z-I-N, Zhang, J-O-N-G, for the last name there. So that's Downloads by Hein Zin Zhang. Uh, this is a free version too. Using the built-in web browser in this app to go to the website youtube-mp3.org or video to mp3.net and follow the on-screen steps where you basically copy and paste uh, the YouTube link in. The website then processes it and gives you a download link which you can then download within the app. I haven't used a jailbreak app, but I assume it is similar process made maybe a little easier. Regards, Gary. Gary, thanks for the feedback. Now, speaking of jailbreaking, the Chronic Dev team gave some bad news that the exploits they discovered in iOS 5 beta have been patched, which means no untethered jailbreak for that exploit. The iPhone Dev team, however, gave some good news, which is that MuscleNerd said... There is a very promising 4S unlock that is in the works and that it works with the 4S but not the 4. At this point, there are no ETAs on 1A jailbreak and unlock will be made available. And again, in my opinion, only untethered jailbreaks count. But at this time, 
If you see a site or an ad offering unlocks and jailbreaks for the iPhone 4S or any iOS device running iOS 5.x, run away. It's a scam at best or someone looking to put malware on your phone at worst. So there is no untethered jailbreak at this time for iOS 5.x. Repeat, there is no untethered jailbreak at this time for iOS 5.x. Run away, run away, stay away from the scam sites. Back into the email bag. Hi Rob, my name is Kevin and I'm from Montreal, Canada. I've been looking at these three iOS 5 flash browser apps and I was told even by Steve Jobs in videos that Flash will not work on iOS devices. Can you please tell me if these browsers play Flash video? One app is called Flash Video Exposer. It's $9.99 in the Canadian App Store. Another one is Photon Flash Web Browser. It's $3.99 in the Canadian App Store. And then there's Skyfire Web Browser, which is $2.99 in the Canadian App Store. I would like to know if these work on Flash vids, including news websites that make you press play before it loads Flash on the same page, and which, if they work well, would work the best on the iPhone 4S. Regards, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. I can't speak for the first two browsers you mentioned, but for Skyfire, what you have happening is that Flash is not really running on your iOS device, but rather on the servers for Skyfire. So you are seeing Flash videos being run on their servers. It is then re-encoded to an iOS-compatible format, then relayed to the iOS device. I would imagine the other two are probably doing something similar, actually, um, from what I could find on Photon. That is what is doing as well. If anyone has used Flash Video Exposer or Photon Flash Web Browser, or Skyfire Browser for that matter, let us know your thoughts. Personally, I just avoid sites and videos done in Flash with my iOS device. I figure if the site is not smart enough to realize the amount of traffic out there from iOS devices and they don't get their act together to support iOS devices, then they don't really deserve my business or attention. Yeah, that's kind of iOS snobbery. So be it. Back into the email bag. Hi, Rob. The lock screen where it shows the music play option uh, this is an issue for me because the music often gets inadvertently started on while the phone is in my pocket. Is there any way to eliminate this quote feature, unquote, where the play button shows up in the lock screen? Regards, Joel. Hi, Joel. This is one I thought, no problem. I'm sure there is some simple setting you just turn off and presto, no more showing up of the play slash pause button on the lock screen. Uh, yeah, I would be wrong. I could not find this in any setting, nor could I find it anywhere in any searching I did about how to turn this off. So rather than delaying the show another day, I will send out this request to the audience. Does anyone know how to disable the feature where the music player controls show up in the lock screen? Give us a call, 206-666-6364, that's 206-BOONDOG, or email us at today at an iOS at gmail.com. So how bad is security in Big Brother on an Android device? Well, it's a lot, lot, lot worse than people made it out to be, and it's exactly what Steve Jobs said it was. Remember that bogus location gate issue in the spring about info, about GPS data, and close-by cell sites that was stored on your computer? Well, with Android, it is so much worse. 
actually this issue affects many, affects many, whichever one it is, many Android, BlackBerry, and Nokia phones that have software from Carrier IQ installed, which is installed by the carrier prior to you getting the Android or BlackBerry or Nokia phone. This software secretly logs everything a user does, including text messages, phone numbers dialed, location, web searches. It records everything. And then it sends that info to the carrier IQ servers. So if you are an Android phone, there's a good chance nothing you do is private. The outrage on this does not seem to be very high yet, considering the news broke a couple weeks ago. It is just now starting to make its way into mainstream media. Could you imagine what would have been like uh, the response that is if it was found a secret application on the iPhone sent info about everything you did to an Apple server? Oh my God. It would have been known as Privacy Gate. Uh, thanks to Trevor Eckhart, an Android developer, for discovering this. And for more importantly, putting up a nice 17 minute long video on YouTube this past Monday showing this issue in action. Here's a nice quote from a post over on Slashdot that I really thought summed up things nicely. Quote, Carrier IQ denies its software logs keystrokes. Eckhart's 17 minute video clearly undercuts that claim. The video shows the software logging Eckhart's on search, online search of Hello World, that despite Eckhart using HTTPS version of Google, which is supposed to hide searches from those who would want to spy by intercepting the traffic between a user and Google. The video shows the software logging each number as Eckhart's fingers the dialer. Every button you press in the dialer before you call, he says on the video, it already gets sent off to IQ application, unquote. From what I can tell, this is mostly a U.S. issue, as crap like this typically is considered very illegal under EU laws. And it seems in the U.S., it depends on the carrier. Sprint appears to be putting the software on most of their Android phones. The video is actually using an HTC Android phone. Now, the carriers and Carrier IQ claim this software is just there to help diagnose issues or diagnose issues, but really... Apple made the same claim about anonymous data stored on your own computer, and people and the press freaked the heck out. So this is so much worse. If you type in on a secure browser, mental health help, or help with drug addictions, guess what? Someone now has that info about you. What if you use your phone to do online banking? Now their system has all your banking info and passwords and pins and all. What if you're doing some special deal or some work with the military? Um, and then if someone breaks into Carrier IQ and steals all their data, you could be financially wiped out or your business could be ruined or you could divulge secrets for the, from the military. Okay, is that a stretch? Maybe. Is that impossible? Heck no. In all the articles I have read on this, and there are more by the hour, one thing is universally true. If you are concerned at all about this software, then get an iPhone and you'll be okay, as it is not on the iPhone. Hello, walled garden. Hello, Apple not allowing carriers to put this kind of crap on their phones. I am sure I could go on and on about this. I really want to, actually. 
But just remember, when your Android buddies start going off about their open Android, you just say carrier IQ and smile politely. Into the email bag we go. Hi Rob, I've been using iCloud as a replacement for iDisk and Dropbox for a while now. I'm not talking about streaming photos or syncing iWork documents. I mean actually having a hard disk in the sky onto which I can write and read any document from any device, iOS or Mac. Here's how it's done. Step one is to install the app GoodReader onto every iOS device you own. You only have to pay for it once. Within GoodReader, you get a folder called iCloud. This is your hard disk in the sky. It's a full file and folder hierarchy into which you can put arbitrary content. The hierarchy will be mirrored up onto the cloud and will be visible on all your iOS devices within the GoodReader app. They will also be visible on all your Macs. They will show up at library forward slash mobile documents forward slash GoodReader slash documents. The part which I've written is dot dot dot. Well, it may be different from Mac to Mac, but it's a trivial to find. And folks, if you want that information, just email me. Uh, once you've found the folder, you can easily create an alias to it. It works the other way around too. Any file you put into that folder on a Mac will instantly show up on all your other Macs and on all your iOS devices in GoodReader. Regards, Jill. Thanks, Jill, for the tip. And again, folks, if you want a little bit more information about that, let me know and, and I will send you some additional info on that. Back is the email back. Hi, Rob. I can't be the only one that wishes the iPhone 4 home button to be virtual instead of just the physical one on the bottom of the phone. First of all, double tapping the home button for multitasking is not constantly good for me and the home button wore out on my iPhone 3G a couple of years ago. So I went to settings, general accessibility, and I scrolled down to assistive touch and it turned it on. It works great for me and will save that physical home button. Just saying. Regards, Dave Orr. Dave, thanks for the tip, and that's a nice one for someone who's had an issue with their home button. Sometimes when I look at my USB dongle laying next to my SD card dongle for my iPad, I think, wouldn't it be great if they could somehow be just one dongle? And then I think, you know, those two would kind of be lonely on one dongle, and they need company like, say, a micro SD card slot and an HDMI port and an RCA port. And why not a mini USB port? or a micro USB port for good measure. Yes, a six-in-one dongle for the iPad. Because all of those four-in-one and five-in-one dongles we talked about earlier in 2011, well, they were so mid-2011. And this is, well, late 2011. And just think, it's just $99. If this interests you at all, there's a link in the show notes. If anyone actually buys this thing, let me know how it worked for you. This next email comes from my offline friend and neighbor, the one who purchased the iPhone 4 recently. Hi Rob, I have a good one for your email bag. Do you know of any way to snooze calendar event reminders on an iPod or iPad 2? I'm running iOS 5.0.1 on both. Oftentimes I have the need to do this. If I delete the reminder, I forget about it. Thanks and let us know. Oh, and thanks for the shout out about the idiot who bought a 4 versus 4S. Regards, Mark. Awkward. Well, Mark, uh, that is a good question. 
I will throw that one out to the audience. Does anyone know how to snooze a calendar event reminder from the Reminders app on your iOS device? 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG. Or email me at todayinios at gmail.com. Okay, one more email here. Hi, Rob. An update on my 4S battery issue. Well, I gave iOS 5.0.1 three weeks to work over on my phone, trying all the steps I could find through the Apple forums, none succeeding. So I gave Apple another call today, and the Apple tech said that it's a software issue, and even if they replace my phone, it's not guaranteed it'll be any better with the new phone. And she said her own 4S was having battery problems as well. What she went ahead and said is that I could choose a car charger with a cost up to $79.99 from the Apple Store online, and they would send it to me free. I chose a Griffin Power Duo reserved for the iPod and iPhone at $69.99. She said I should be getting it within the week, and she again apologized for the inconvenience and that Apple is working on the battery problem solutions. She gave me her phone extension from Apple if I had further problems. My thoughts, sad that I still have the issue. I love my 4S, and I upgraded to it to it from my 3G, and it's worlds apart, except the battery problem. Regards, Daniel. Well, Daniel, thanks for the heads up on the free charger offer. I am sure that this is a case-by-case offer, but if anyone is on the phone with an Apple tech, ask them if there is anything they can do, and maybe you can get a free charging cord too. Of course, Having an iPhone that holds a charge is much better, and hopefully iOS 5.1 gets out of beta quickly and it finally solves the issue that some people are seeing with battery life. Hi, Rob. This is Mike from San Luis Obispo. You had a caller or email person that had questions about uh, geolocation and things like Siri finding their location or not finding their location when you have uh, location-based to-do list items. And reminders. One of the things that can help with that is to set the geo, exact geolocation of your Wi-Fi base station. And I use a service called Skyhook Wireless, and uh, I then set the exact location of the Wi-Fi base station so that camera cards that uh, use geolocation or my Macs, portables, and as well as obviously iOS devices that have other kinds of GPS in them uh, can find the location much quicker. So uh, SkyhookWireless.com. So hopefully that helps them set their geolocation much faster. Thanks. Bye. Mike, thanks for that tip. Okay, the rumors for 2012 are starting to heat up again. This at least is not coming, or this new rumor at least is not coming from Digitimes or BGR. This time the rumor is coming from Nikkei Business Reports. And the rumor is that Japanese carrier NTT Docomo has an agreement with Apple that will get them an LTE iPad in the summer of 2012 and an LTE iPhone in the fall of 2012. This seems like a natural progression, and the timing falls in line with what I think will be the next iPad and iPhone release dates, early summer and fall respectively. Not sure about sources or if there are any in this case. Don't know anything about the site, but again, the rumors seem to fit with what makes sense. And it is not associated to Digitimes. Guests will know more on this come 2012. I want to thank our sponsor for today's show again, and that is Hover. Go to tii.hover.com. That's tii.hover.com to save 10% on your domain name registrations 
And don't forget the .me domains are half price at $10 and then take another dollar off of that with the discount from TII. So TII.hover.com. Also, if you would like to support the show, a great way to do that is through the TII app by going into iTunes, search for TII, and purchase TII app for just $2.99. You get push notifications, and version 1.12.1 is now available. And that is going to go ahead and wrap it up for us today. As always, if you have any tips, tricks, questions, comments, reviews of apps you like or don't like, Give us a call, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or record it on your iOS device and email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com. Until the next time, I'm your host Rob from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for TII.